Welcome to the Locking Castle podcast. This Sunday morning's teaching was given as part of the Disciple Making series. Well, it's fantastic to be able to come and share God's word with you. It's also very daunting. The subject is fantastic, and I could keep you here for, for weeks and weeks <laughs> looking at what's here, but I'm not. Okay, relax. The power of the Holy Spirit is what Jesus promised, and he's promised not just to the disciples, but to us, and God wants us to be receiving and moving in his power. And drop that seed into you and just let that sit there as we talk through the rest of what I'm going to, going to speak about. The subject was power for disciple making. And the first thing, reaction can often be, can I be a disciple maker? Am I qualified? Am I worthy? Have I got it in me to do it? And it's very easy to excuse or disqualify ourselves, but that's why God has given in the Bible some stories of people just like us and to learn from them. And one particular person, and I was reading this when I was asked to do the subject, is about David, King David. Now, if you know about him, David the giant slayer, powerful king, the the, the best king Israel ever had. Well, how can he be like me? Well, he had his weaknesses. You read about it in 2 Samuel, chapter 11. In summary, he had a problem with women, lust for women. He sinned, he committed adultery. For fear of being found out and shamed, he schemed to get the woman's husband killed, adding murder to the adultery. The child that had been conceived had died. Not a huge difference in storyline from a lot of soap operas that are on TV at the moment. But they're very accurate because the storylines in the soap operas expose the weakness of us as people. But where the story deviates from many a soap opera storyline is the fate of the sinner. These days, you want to see the bad guy get their comeuppance. You know, they want to get what they deserve. That, that's society. That's not what we read in the Bible then. David, this man who knew God, He knew God, which made what he did actually worse. But he opened up to God a way forward, which we read of, of his prayer in Psalm 51. And so if we have a look at Psalm 51 on on the screen here. It's the middle section. And as we know, the middle section is the turning point of any psalm. And we'll have a look at the middle section of the middle section, which is crucial for this. But what this prayer shows in this particular section is David's way of getting qualified to be a disciple maker. We have to remember where he was starting from. Don't forget where he's starting from, this point of adultery, murder. The the Bible is taking this guy because it can't get any worse. And so we can't say, well, it won't work for me. It worked for David. It'll work for you. He starts off with this, creating me a clean heart. The first point is he wants to change. He knows he's messed up. 
He wants to change. And we don't have to be starting from such a bad point to still want to change, to not be content with where we are in the kingdom of God, where we are in our relationship with God, where we are in being disciple makers. We can be discontent with where we are without starting from such a position. The first thing is to want to change. And then the next bit is key. Changing, people talk about changing how they are. What do they do? Positive thinking. You know, self-help books don't work. David knows what works. Creating me a clean heart, oh God. He knows where to go to get the change working. He goes to God. He knows God can do what no man can do. And then he says this, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Change the way I am on the inside. It's not about changing on the outside. God operates on the inside and it will change us how we are on our innermost being. That's the miracle of it. People say, well, this is just the way I am. And, and we've got to accept that. But if you're not content with that, where do you go? You go to God who can change the way you are. You don't have to stay the way you are. It's not an excuse to say, that's just the way I am. This is how I am. I want to change. God can change me. That's great, isn't it? It gives us hope. He says, don't cast me away from your presence. He knows God and God's presence is where he needs to be to see this change take place. The most important thing for him was his walk with God and to be close to God. And then the central point of this psalm, the turning point for this prayer, is don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. The presence, the power of God within him, he knew was the key for him to be able to live a life that had changed. He can't do it on his own. I can't do it on my own. I need the power of the Holy Spirit within me. And if I haven't got the power of the Holy Spirit within me, I can't do it. And it's fatal to try you just have to look at his predecessor, Saul. Saul was anointed with the Holy Spirit. It said the Holy Spirit came upon him and he was changed into another man. But because of his character, he lost the presence of the Holy Spirit on him. But he carried on trying to be the same way. And it was just disaster. David knew he had to have the presence of the Holy Spirit within him continually. And he continues to pray, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Turn my mourning into joy. Give me joy again. Joy is a fantastic thing. There's a, there's a gambling advert on the TV that says, that talks about joy. You can get joy by playing bingo. So they tell you. That's not joy. The world is deceived. They do not have a clue. You don't get joy by playing bingo. But we have experienced joy. There was a sense of joy in the presence of God as we were singing this morning. It's something that's innermost, something that's precious, something that's deep. And sustain me with a willing spirit. He's going back again to being changed on the inside. Change my innermost desires to want what is good. I want to want what God wants. I don't want to want other stuff. I find I'm pulled in this way. God, change my desires. Change me on the inside. Give me a willing spirit to want what you want. Then I'll teach transgressors your ways. This is where we get to discipleship. You might be wondering where, where's discipleship coming in. He says, 
I want to then share the good things that you've done in me with other people. I want to disciple people. I want to pass it on. The clapping. I want to pass it on. I want to influence others like I've been influenced. And the result is sinners will be converted to you. People will be changed. The outcome will people will be more clean hearts. I've got a clean heart. I'll pass it on. There'll be other people with clean hearts. So this psalm prophesies, proclaims that the turning point for transformation from weak, if ineffective sinner, is to be an effective disciple maker, is the presence of the Holy Spirit within us, preceded by repentance, which we sang earlier. And the disciples did this as well. Their starting point was running away when danger came, hiding away for fear. The Holy Spirit comes and they forget the fear. I'm out there, I'm telling people what God's done. A transformation by the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit within them that Jesus had promised that they would receive. Do you want that changing your life too? Two pictures of the same waterfall. <laughs> Sight. You can feel on the left. A little dribble. One of the pictures of the Holy Spirit is flowing, is water. And we'll come back to this towards the end of the talk. The flowing, pouring out is what it said. Pour out your spirit. God, I want to be the, wa- the waterfall that's flowing, that's overflowing. Jesus said, uh, 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 when he stood up at the day of Pentecost, he says, come to me and out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Rivers. Not a trickle, not a little bit of dampness, but rivers of living water will flow out from your innermost being. That's what Jesus offers us. But so often we can settle and get used to just a little trickle and be content with that. If I stimulate you this morning to become discontented, then I've done my job. <laughs> I want you to be discontented with where you're at. So you'll seek God to have more, to be flowing more, that there'll be rivers of living water flowing from you. And at age 17, I was really hungry for this. I'd been brought up, born and brought up in a godly home, in a godly church, and been taught everything that was right. But all the time, you were being held up, being, what was being held up to you was a standard for living that I wasn't able to, to reach. And when you talk to other people, you said, yeah, we're, we, we, we can't do it. We're striving to, but we can't. And I thought, well, this can't be right. God doesn't torture us. God doesn't play games with us and say, look, this is what I want you to be like, but you're not going to be like it. Is that God? Is he mean like that? No, he says, this is what I want you to be like, and this is how you can be like it. That's what he was saying to the disciples. Look, I've been with you all this time. I've taught you all this stuff. I want you to go out and make disciples, but you've got to wait until you've got the power to do it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the key thing. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is what he talked about. That empowers you to be all that you want to be, all that God wants you to be. So don't be shocked when I say to you, just knowing and loving Jesus isn't enough. That isn't enough. It wasn't enough for the disciples. They knew him. They'd been with him for three years. They'd love him. There's no question about that. But it wasn't enough. (laughs) They needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, wait 
don't go off and do stuff just in the fact that you know me and love me. You've got to wait until you're filled with power of the Holy Spirit. Then you'll be able to stand up with boldness and not run away scared. It's just like the picture of Adam, the Adam's lifeless body at creation. Beautiful body, perfectly made, but lifeless. Until what? Until God breathed his breath, put his spirit within Adam. Then he became fully human. So, praying the David's prayer is a great starting point for receiving a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, starting with, God, I want to change. God, I know you're the one who can change me. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Next slide, thanks. So God... There we are. Let's go from there. That's great. That's really good. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, and I'd just like us to remind ourselves, though we have talked about it here before, about who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force, not an energy, but he's a person part of the God personhood of God himself. He doesn't appear suddenly in Acts, but he's been present and active since before the beginning of time, actively involved in creation. And so we read in Genesis, this is the first mention of of the Holy Spirit, and there's a principle in the Bible, the first mention is crucial, it sets the context and gives you a foundation for understanding a subject, a topic, in this case the Holy Spirit. So what's the Holy Spirit doing at this point in time? It's just at rest, it's brooding. But then, it says, the earth was without form, void, darkness upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Then God spoke. Then God said. And brought everything into being. You can't speak without breathing. (laughs) The words from me are getting to you on air. My breath is what's giving the conveyance of the words. The Holy Spirit was involved in creation. The Spirit of God was carrying the words and carrying out the creation. The Holy Spirit is creative. And that's a crucial element of his character we need to understand. Have the next slide, please. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, probably just see. Yeah. I'll just copy this. The, The... the Hebrew word for, for the spirit used here is, is ruah, R-U-A-H is our interpretation of the Hebrew letters. And there's a sense with it that, it, that there's power in it. And it's used at, in, in different places about gasping, panting, like a woman in childbirth, I gasp, I pant, and the word is ruah. It's a cry, there's power in there. And whilst the Holy Spirit does come as a gentle dove, he also is there. In great power. Exodus 15.8. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up and separated for Moses to walk through. The word there for the blast is the same ruah, God's Holy Spirit, blasting and separating, creating this massive miracle. When the people of Israel needed feeding, the quail that was brought to them was on the wind. The ruah, Holy Spirit, was there, creating, providing 
When you think about Jesus, what was prophesied about him in Isaiah 11, and we'll read this a lot coming up to Christmas, it says, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath, the ruah of his lips, he will slay the wicked. The word ruah refers to the, the, the power of, of, of God here. The Spirit of God. Jesus came along in the power of the Spirit and influenced and did good works. He provided for those who were sick. He provided for those that were hungry by the Spirit of God. But crucially, the Holy Spirit is creative. And we see this in one of my favourite uh, passages is in Exodus, Exodus 31, and it's the story of Moses getting together everything that was needed for the, the tent of meeting while they were moving through the wilderness. And he had identified, God had identified among the people of Israel two guys, Bezalel and Aholiab. And it says of them, I filled them with the Spirit of God, and the word spirit there is ruah of God, the breath of God, the creative breath of God. These guys have been chosen and filled with the creative spirit of God to do what? To lead worship, to teach in the, the, the word of God, to do spiritual things? No, make artistic designs in gold, silver, bronze, to cut stones, to work in wood, to engage in all kinds of crafts. Filled with the Holy Spirit to be creative in physical things. Yeah. You need to go and have a look at what Brian's been up to with the tiles there. Holy Spirit's inspired him there. And it is fantastic. You, you go and have a look. Same creative spirit of God to do those practical things. We're not only filled with the Holy Spirit to lead worship, to serve in church, but the world needs engineers, artists, scientists, musicians, lawmakers, Carers, parents, planners, teachers, students, gardeners, farmers, shopkeepers, all filled with the creative spirit of God who were able to disciple others because it says of this guy Bezalel, not only was he skilled to do the work, but to teach. He was skilled, filled with the Holy Spirit to make disciples, to share the gifting and the reason why he did what he did with other people, to influence other people. And he, you, I look across the room, there's so many different skills and gifts that God has given amongst us. And God wants to see those used, empowered by his Holy Spirit. And I taught for a long time in schools, and I would use and work with the Holy Spirit in my teaching. Not just the practical of it, but you're going in a, a difficult class, and they've been unruly, and... You go in and you pray before they, the, the class comes in. Get the wisdom of God about how to know what, what to do. You're not on your own in doing these things, but you do it filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I'm retired and I'm doing a lot of photography and I can kind of feel, well, it's, the photography, is, is, I love it. I so enjoy it. It's all about me, but I don't want it to be all about me. And God said, no, what I want you to do, I want you to just share what you do. The things that you're discovering, I want you to share with other people. 
And so I go along to camera clubs and, and give talks. Last Sunday, I was running a, a course in the Clifton Suspension Bridge uh, in Bristol. And invariably, people at the end say, you've inspired me. And so I want to do what you want to do. And I had another guy come from a camera club talk, came to our home because he had a similar camera to me, and I showed him how to use it. He went away so excited to be able to do it, to enrich society with the gifts that we have got. It's the kingdom of God out into society. I'm going to finish up now with one last picture, and it's the picture given in the book of Ezekiel, and it's about the temple. And Ezekiel had this vision, and he saw water coming out from underneath the altar, so the center of, of the temple. And it was coming out of the temple, and it was gradually going down through the, um, through the countryside. And he said there was a man with a measuring rod, and he was measuring it, and Ezekiel was walking in the water, and it starts off low. The further away he got away from the temple, the deeper it got, the wider it got, until he could only swim in it. He couldn't walk across it. So the picture is the Holy Spirit flowing out from the temple, but there's more of it. Its impact is, his impact is greater the further away it got from the temple. And we kind of think the place to experience the Holy Spirit is within the temple. No, that's the starting point. That's the, that's the source. We then take the power of the Holy Spirit and go out into society and influence it. The passage in, in Ezra says this. It says, It came about that every living creature which swarms in every place where the river goes will live. And there will be very many fish for these waters go there and others become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. This river, the lives lived in the power of the Holy Spirit, bring life. The river on its bank, on one side or on the other, will grow all kinds of trees for food. Leaves not withering, fruit not failing, bearing fruit every month, because their water flows from the sanctuary. The source is the sanctuary, but it's out there, not in here. And their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. The idea that we can impact and transform others in wider society can sound far-fetched and, uh, and daunting, but the source to effect that change doesn't come from ourselves, but from the Holy Spirit flowing out from within us. Didn't Paul say, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit? So when we go out, we take the presence of God with us. We look and understand that where the river of life flows, it sources the temple, but it's there to transform society. And that's our prayer. Lord, that is our prayer, that, our, that we would meet you in a fresh and dynamic way. We're not content with where we're at, with you. We're asking you, Holy Spirit, to come and fill us and transform us. That we can take your Holy Spirit and work with the gifts and abilities and love that you've given us take it out into society and to see our society blessed and transformed as we work empowered by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. To find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at lockingcastlechurch.org.